Oh, well. So we are finishing up the Ten Commandments in the, in the large catechism this week. And so we remember where the small and the large catechisms came from? Anyone? Why were they written? For the Father to teach his children at home. So the small catechism is written for the Father to teach, or head of the household, whoever that may be. Um, you can have widows and, you know, but grandma or whoever. People are dying left and right back then, so you can't count on having a dad around or a mom or children because everyone's dying. For most of the world, everyone has been, like, dying like crazy. And that's what I always thought of the, the COVID thing. It just kind of puts us in touch with the rest of human history but they didn't have plagues that killed 0.02% of the people, though. That's like, I mean, that's where you get the really good 14 verse long hymns from the guys who have to bury, like, m- people doing multiple funerals a day. You know, it's crazy. I thought we were going to get there, but yeah, it's wild. So. When the Reformation really started to spread and take hold, they go around and they have this thing called the Saxon Visitation where they, they uh, basically interview all the pastors, all the priests, and find out that um, about a third of them sort of know what they're doing and a third of them have to be reassigned as ditch diggers or something like that, because they're hopeless. And then there's another third of them that are, like, too old, and they can't really do anything else. So it was not pretty. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a disaster. No one knew what they were doing. Everyone knew they were supposed to go to church, but that was it. They didn't know why they were going to church or what they were doing. And so, yeah, it was a mess. And so they write, Luther puts together the small catechism, uh, which is for use in the home. And, and in, remember, it's, uh, it's originally written, it's printed on these large sheets that you're supposed to basically put up in your kitchen. On your yeah, in your refrigerator. <laughs> and, uh, and teach your kids. So, you know, that's another thing, too. We always think that, like, literacy for most of the world has been really low, but it, not really, you know. And um, when we look at the ancient world, those people knew what they were doing. They all had to keep accounts and everything. Like, they, they, people were not stupid until like a couple of years ago. We always have this idea that people just were just dumb, but they weren't. They knew what they were doing. We're really no different than they were. And... Yeah, the, the world was a very different place, but people were generally the same. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that he gives us the catechisms. And again, remember that he does not invent the category of catechism. Um, the first guy who really does that is St. Augustine, although we have the Didache before that, which looks kind of like a catechism. But yeah, St. Augustine 
basically puts together the first catechism. But remember that it goes in a different order. It goes creed, Lord's Prayer, Ten Commandments, because the goal is to get you doing the stuff. And um, the Ten Commandments is how you climb Jacob's ladder into heaven. Higher and higher. Children of the Lord. I'm glad you didn't pick that one today. Yeah, who climbs Jacob's ladder? The angels. Angels. And they don't just climb it. They what? Do, what do they do? Ascend Yeah, they also come down it. That's yeah, that's funny. You ever hear that that song? You don't teach the children like no. we're climbing down Jacob's ladder. We're climbing up and down yeah. Jacob's ladder as angels. Like, <laughs> what is this? What are we doing? Who am I? Um, where have I been? Why am I in this hospital bed? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, the goal is not to get the Ten Commandments done so you can get up to heaven and, and achieve sanctification. When we go through the Ten Commandments and we're actually honest with ourselves, we, we see in there just uh, the wretchedness of our own selves and we're like, ah, okay. We know that these are good goals, okay? But also, we can't do them. Have you ever heard this phrase um, God wouldn't ask you to do something that he didn't think you could do something like that God doesn't give you more than you can handle that. yeah something like that this, but this idea that you actually can achieve perfection and can keep the ten commandments because why would he give you these rules if he knew you couldn't keep them to show you that you need a savior. And I mean, it's like if no one, if no one could really keep the speed limit, the state wouldn't be like, well, we'll just, we'll just change it. Well, they do sometimes, right? They do change speed limits every once in a while, but. But they don't say we'll just not have speed limits. <sighs> Too many people don't want to drive 55 to Girdwood. And so we're just going to, we're just going to get rid of it. No, they don't do that. Like, the, the rules are actually good, whether you can or keep them or not. So, so uh, yeah, Ten Commandments. And, yeah, another thing, too, um, a lot of times we're, we're kind of trained to see the Ten Commandments, though, as the boogeyman, and as a scary, because we're like, oh, no, we're just going to go through these things and find out how bad we are. Well, it's not actually... When does, when does the Lord give the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel? They've crossed the Red Sea. They're free. He's bringing them into the promised land. It's not like he gave them the Ten Commandments and said, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm taking applicants for my people. Um, it's you and the Hittites. Or the, you're the last... You're the last guys in, in the running and see who can keep these laws better. He doesn't do that. Uh, and, and instead he says like, oh yeah, you're my people. I'm going to free you. I'm going to bring you across the Red Sea. I'm going to um, drown your enemies behind you. And I'm going to give you a whole entire land filled with milk and honey. And there's going to be houses there just ready to go. Uh, you don't even have to go on Zillow and uh, find a desirable neighborhood with good schools because, like, you just go there. It's, 
and it's going to be all ready for you. And all you got to do is just like, just, just go there. And when you get there, here's what you do. Wow, no other gods. Don't take my name in vain. Remember to rest once a week. Yeah. Don't go swimming too soon after you eat. It won't be good for you. And, you know. Oh, yeah, that's the. Yeah. I learned this this morning. Um, in the uh, some Monty Python movie, it's not the life of Brian, but Moses is coming down the mountain with the fifteen commandments, three tablets. Yeah, history of the world. Yeah, and, and like, he's like, he has the fifteen tablets, and he drops the third one, and he's like, the ten. But the fifteenth commandment is, uh, "Thou shalt not break." <laughs> and, it, and it's. They don't say this to you. It's written in Hebrew on the tablet. It's kind of, it's funny, but yeah, it's, um, the Ten Commandments are pretty well rounded out. Now, another thing you should, you should know, don't worry about numbering. Uh, we've never, we have known always that there are 10 of them, but we've never been given a system in the Bible for which 10 there are, you know? So... It's okay if people number it differently. You either get two commandments against coveting or you throw in graven images. So either way, don't covet and don't do the graven images thing, okay? Graven images, though, we we lump that in with the first commandment, like don't have any other gods, specifically the ones that you can, like, carve. (laughs) Like, don't do that. I don't know. They do put tablets into the ark. It's probably not like we think of Charlton Heston with these big styrofoam props that like no man could actually carry, you know. Which also is like the one thing that God ever wrote. And then what do we do with it? Smashed it. Oh. Oops. Wouldn't that wouldn't that have been nice to see? Oh. It's next week. Yeah, he seems to be really intent on not uh, giving us... What, what would we do if we had that stuff? We'd just, we'd idolize it. We'd worship it. We're like, oh, God touched that. Well, God touched you. So. so also the Ten Commandments, they're never called the Ten Commandments in the Bible. They're, t- they're called the Ten Dobarim, the Ten Words. The Ten Words. They're always called the Words. So they're, they are not given to be a scary thing. They might scare you, but that's not because they're scary. That's because your sinfulness and you're scary. Yeah. Uh, you're frightened of holiness. Okay? So, but yeah, they're, they're wonderful. And uh, Luther says this 
perplexing thing at the end of the explanation of the creed this is like this basically is all there to get us to follow the law. The goal is not that you would run off and do your own thing. The goal is that you would actually follow these things because they're, I mean, can you imagine a world in which everyone just kept the Ten Commandments? Oh yeah, starting with myself. It, yeah, I mean, yeah, your own life would be glorious. And just imagine, like, everyone else, too. That'd be great. It'd just be great. Can I make a trivia comment that most people probably know, but I won't be reading Yes? That they were at Mount Sinai for a year. A year. They're at Mount Sinai for a year. Huh. Paul told me this week that they found a mountain with a chain around it? Is that true? A chain around it? I like it. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. Uh, I think I saw a documentary with that that they won't let anybody near a certain spot. Yeah, I like it. I want to believe that. So... Yeah, so they found some mountain. The, the top of it has, like, burn marks on it, and it's got a chain around it, the mountain. Because remember, before Moses goes up, he builds a fence around the mountain, and they're not allowed to go near it. And this is why we have a rail around uh, the altar. So this is your Mount Sinai. This is where God comes down to you. So... And when I say the Lord be with you, and you say, and with your spirit, you're basically saying, Moses, go up there for us. So why don't you go pray for us? So it's all, it's all right there. And whatever, if you don't have a rail around your altar, it's fine. But they're there for a reason. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the Ten Commandments, though, they are not... They're not a threat. It's not like he's saying, like, you better do this or else. Okay. It's just like Ellie and I were talking when we started our book thing. We think of being thrown out of the garden as some kind of punishment, but he was actually preserving us from living forever in that condition. So we wouldn't eat from the tree of life. It's crazy. We could have lived forever being naked and ashamed. Preserving things. Yeah, the Lord is preserving things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, did anyone know that thing about the dogs, by the way? I did not. That's a new thing for me this year. And you guys all like have dogs or want dogs, too. And you remember like how weird and stupid they are and I love it it's so great I'm like oh really oh yeah yeah house puppies 
it's diminutive, yeah. But they're, you like these ones. They're the ones allowed inside. So. And again, maybe it's just because, like, I write these sermons sitting at my kitchen table and my dumb dogs are sitting there staring at me the whole time, you know? Well, and me, so it's not just you, I, it's me too. And it's funny too, because he also says that like, well, I was just sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's not saying like anyone is actually like humanoid creatures. He's, Israel are sheep. And this is really no better. And in fact, the dogs might be in charge of the sheep, right? Uh Yes, the dogs are in charge of the sheep. <laughs> in charge of the sheep. So, yeah, it's not. And I always hear, "Oh, Jesus is insulting this woman." I, I really don't think so. They don't. Yeah, you know, if you don't know Greek, then he just says "dog, dog, 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 dog." But yeah. Man. Yeah, exactly. Listen to that. How many words do you have for snow? No. How many words do you have for earthquake? <laughs> this is a good one. I like it. You learn how you learn how uh, fragile your world is all of a sudden like you learn you have no control over anything. Yeah. I mean, it's wild to just see everything just, like, move. Everything. Was that your guys' first one? Dickerson's? Yeah, it's... It doesn't shove things off the shelf. Yeah, I don't even pay attention to it. But there's always that moment where you're like, is this Yeah, exactly. Is this the door Yeah. Were you going to say Lewis I was asleep during it, yes, and didn't notice it, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of you guys were not here when we had the big one, and then, like, I mentioned earthquake in my sermon, and at that moment, there was, like, a huge aftershock, and uh, that's when I knew I was the anointed one, you know. And it was, like, it's, it's really loud in here when it happens. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm leaving for a little while. Uh, so, let's see. The ninth and tenth commandments about coveting. I mean, again, I just am like... Now, it's kind of funny that he just lumps them together in the small catechism and the large catechism. Basically, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Any of it. And who's your neighbor? Bless you. Yeah, everyone. So, whose things are you allowed to covet? Well, no one. And so, what does that actually mean in the positive way? Yeah, just be content. Everyone has everything they need. Just be content with what you have. Now, he says this really crazy thing here. We must learn that God does not want you to deprive your neighbors of anything that is theirs. So they suffer loss while you satisfy your greed, even though before the world you can retain the property with honor. So it may be legal 
for you to somehow get your neighbor's things. Uh, but if you're just satisfying your own greed, no good. And my mother always said, and that also means don't be jealous, Janet. Sure, don't be jealous, Janet. Did I just confess something of my So, yeah, it doesn't matter um, whether things may or may not be legal. Um, the Ten Commandments kind of trump all those things. So, so then uh, he concludes the, the commandments by saying, like, we, we have enough work to do. Uh, you got enough. And then he, he says, before this quote that I put here, to be, he says, uh, here's a challenge for you. Let all the wise and holy step forward and produce, if they can, any work like that which God in these commandments so earnestly requires and enjoins under threat of his greatest wrath and punishment, while at the same time he adds such glorious promises that he will shower us with all good things and blessings. Therefore, we should prize and value them above all other teachings as the greatest treasure God has given us. I mean, that is the Ten Commandments. You know, and, and we're... We tell our children that they're just these scary things. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. I'm imagining or just thinking about this fact that people in places that have far less than we do are studying this right now, um, sitting in you know, whatever situation you want to imagine that's not a beautiful Like actual poor people? Yeah. Yeah. I know, for us coveting, it's like some sort of luxury, right? We're not coveting things that our neighbors have because we're hungry. I covet my neighbor's like or boat that I would use once every four years or something, right? Yeah. Still not okay. I'm just waiting for the government to give us enough free money that, like, everyone just can buy all the things they want all the time. So, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, keep having those children. The government wants it too. Well, I have read that the ones of us who think we shouldn't be getting all this money because we're not really suffering have been giving a lot of money to places like Ellis and they all. So, okay, we're just funneling it through, right? That's the way to do it. And it's all kind of made up anyways. So, yes, you should, you should forward your made up. We really are starting. Yes. Yeah, well, anyways, um, yeah, be careful with that stuff, too. It's, Jesus talks about money a whole lot more than, like, being gay or whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Careful. So, did we go into the creed and the Lord's Prayer? I'm not sure exactly how, how much I want to look at all these things. Um, so remember, well, you don't remember, but the, the Apostles' Creed, one of the reasons why it's called that is because um, they thought that it was 12 articles in the creed and that one apostle wrote each one, okay? That's where it got this name. It's not actually like what it's ever been. Um, it is, it is uh, reflecting the apostolic doctrine, which is just the teaching of Christ. So if you're devoted to the teaching of the apostles like they are in Acts 2, you're devoted to the teaching of Christ, right? That's what the apostles are teaching, the teaching of Christ. So, um, yeah, but he starts, this, he starts it out. It says, the commandments are just set so high that we cannot keep them, and so we must find the gospel. Hmm. And we do. So Luther rearranges them from 12 articles to three. He recognizes that there's actually, we're confessing something in there about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Trinity. So um, the first article, that the Lord, the Father, actually gives us everything, and none of us have life uh, from ourselves, which is easy to forget, Right? He actually does give you your daily bread. And not only you, but every single human being. The second article, the Son, is just all about like what is a Lord. And it's interesting how short it is, too. Um, sometimes it's short because at the very end he says, well, that's enough for this little children's sermon. We'll talk more about this later. Um, a lot of times Luther's sermons don't have like a big clincher at the end. They just end, and he's like, oh, that's good. Like, oh, okay. So if I ever do, maybe you think I'd do that already, but uh, I am always tempted to just be like, end in the complete middle of a thought, and like, if anyone's paying attention, they'll say, well, that was weird. So when I do that, just know that's why I'm doing it, because... No, you can't, because that's all we got. Like, oh, that's all we got. So, um, it's interesting. Luther, Luther's sermons, sometimes they're very, very long, and sometimes they're very short. But he just, like, gets up and talks. And, and people, we have all his sermons in books because people wrote them all down as he was preaching them. So, it's like sermon notes on steroids. Um, Well, I have a feeling that he came across as that kind of person, somebody on steroids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, it's appropriate. <laughs> I didn't require... How many of you guys had to do sermon notes when you were in, like, confirmation class? I did. Well, I did sermon outlines. Oh. I, so I don't do any of that stuff, like... I am so against having busy work for confirmation class. And, like, I want kids to pay attention, but I'm not sure that's the best way to do it. And, and then, like, none of them do it, and you're like, well, what do I do with you now? I think parents talking to them about the sermon, uh, 
Yeah. It, it, it turns it into just like some assignment that I have to do. I remember like... So, by the way, I felt very uh, vindicated this week too when... Like what time did the House of Representatives pass that this uh, trillions of dollars legislation? Like, oh yeah, yeah, it was like really late. I have been procrastinating my whole entire life in getting things done at like one and two in the morning the day before it's due. And it turns out this is a completely acceptable way to like run a country. So I think I can do it in my own personal life and not like have people make me feel bad about it all the time. What would your mother have said to that? <sighs> yeah, she would not be happy about this. Hey. They have. I mean, I can just like. I was thinking that I was like, you guys knew. Like, how long have you known about this? A year. You've known about this a year, and you just now had to do this at 1 a.m. Good for you. Thank you. Let's all stand up together. It's like that uh, (laughs) procrastinators unite tomorrow. It's our later. later. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally fine. It's awesome. So, yeah. So yeah, um, in the second article, though, he just talks about what it means to have a Lord. And it is something that's completely lost on us because we think we're our own Lords. So what does it mean to actually have Jesus as our Lord? And I, I think the dog thing today works pretty good. And again, it's like, those dogs want nothing more than to just like hear me say their name. And... I'm frightened to see like how crazy they will be when we walk in the door like from vacation. Like we won't be able to get in the house because they will be like, ah, you're back. Well, you did mention us having the dogs that ran away. We did have those dogs, yes. And then that also is a good lesson too because we just wanted them to be our dogs and stay in our house so we could feed them, but they always insisted on running away and one of them got run over. Yeah. What happened to our yeah? Yeah. Not one got run over. Like multiple dogs that we had that ran away from us got run over. Like dogs running away, it never ends well. Yeah. So I think Adam had to like chase down my dog once. That was a fast dog. She was gone. But we are never it's awful. Like, oh, well. oh yeah, we're, we're like. Oh, well, we'll just pack up their bed and stuff and let them go. Yeah. yeah. It's been like we had this stupid little uh, Chihuahua Beagle mix in Greensboro, and that dog ran away all the time. She got under the fence because she was tiny, and uh, we'd see her just like jump down the sidewalk and. Five blocks away from her house. Yeah. And, uh, but you spent so much time trying to get them, you know? And then she got run over. I was like, ah, well, it's all that coming. So, but yeah, what does it mean to have a Lord, though? You know, he provides everything for us.
He's actually in charge of everything. So, I mean, it's an interesting word that we've chosen to keep, Lord, because we don't have lords anymore. Uh, I don't have a lord. I don't have a king. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I, I do kind of wonder how that is, like, taken, how that has continued in English, even though no one has a lord. You have a landlord, yeah. But that's normally, like, kind of, I don't know. It's a little icky sometimes with landlords. Um, and I wonder, like, how much it is actually taken from medieval feudalism. Um, you get the lord at the top of the food chain, and his job is to care for the whole entire thing and make sure it keeps going. Um, but, yeah, that that is Jesus. He is, he is a lord, but he's a good lord. Now, the longest article is the third article, now, how many of you are familiar with this phrase, um, there's no salvation outside the church? Janet is. Yep. Um, Connie and I, we were talking about that on Thursday. Oh. It, there's a Latin term for it, but uh, you bonus points if you know it. Oh, I do know. It's like extra ecclesium known salvation or something like that. I don't know, but... But um, there's this idea that once they left the Catholic Church, and there still is, there's no salvation outside the Catholic Church, okay? There's no salvation outside the church. And uh, this is a, it's a very, very old idea. It comes from Cyprian of Carthage, who is a bishop in the uh, 4th century, 4th, 5th centuries. And they're like, outside the church, there's no salvation. It just says that uh, if you don't have the church as your mother, you will not have uh, God is your father. Which is true. It's totally true. Um, the question is, like, what is the church? Well, the, whole, the Holy Spirit, and this is what is such a big deal about Lutherans, and we'll see this in the Augsburg Confession, too. Uh, we really do insist on the Holy Spirit being located, Okay? He's very specific. He does not act in weird, mysterious ways where you wonder if the Holy Spirit has had anything to do with you or not. And he also does not act in ways that can be mimicked or replicated by fog machines in a good light show. So the Holy Spirit acts through the church through the word, through the sacraments. And that's it. Like, how do you find the Holy Spirit? Well, you look for where Christ is being preached. And it just so happens that you can find Christ being preached. Uh, do we, do we talk about Antarctica? How many, you know how many, how many churches there are in Antarctica? Eight. There's eight churches in Antarctica. I'm like surprised to find out there's eight people in Antarctica. It's all it's all uh, it's all scientists, I think. Well, they do have staff like cooks, and they have staff like that. Yeah, but like the. 
My uh, my high school biology teacher went there. Cool. McMurdo. McMurdo Station. Yep. It was uh, a big deal. Yeah. It's mostly high school biology teachers that go there, I guess. I don't know. But... I had a friend who went there for like five years. Wow. I have a friend who's a chaplain in the Air Force, and he went there for, like, six months. Like, he got sent to Antarctica. And they have, like, cooks and staff. And churches. And churches. Like, guess what? The, the Holy Spirit has actually spread to the end of... I think... Like, I feel like this is pretty close to the ends of the earth. You know? Antarctica? Probably, like, another jump, maybe. Yeah, well, but it's it's pretty crazy. Like the Holy Spirit has actually gone around the world, and you know, when we go out to New Napachuk, like this village that like probably shouldn't exist because it's like sinking. Um, there's three churches there, and like some of them have pastors. Like they're actually preaching the word of God there. The Holy Spirit has actually gone throughout the world. Now, it's not always as uh, pure and unadulterated as we would like it to be. But I don't, like, there is not a village you can go to in this state that does not have a church in it of some stripe. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you do find the church so um, the Holy Spirit is not an abstract concept. The Holy Spirit is actually given through the word of God, uh, given through the sacraments. And this is how God wants to do it. He's, he's not hiding from you. And he's not making you guess whether you're in or whether you're out. The Holy Spirit uh, acts in a way that gives you certainty so that when the teenage evangelists come to your door and ask you if you died tonight, you know, would you, are you sure that you would be saved? You, you don't have to say, well, I hope so. Say, well, yes, absolutely. How do you know? Well, I'm baptized. Okay. Uh, because the word of Christ has come into my ears and forgiven me all my sins. Because I have actually received the body and blood of Jesus Christ that's raised from the dead. So you have, you have 100% certainty about this. There's no, there's no doubt about it. External, like, and it's not even a subjective thing. This is, I can tell you. Like, that you, I can look at you all today and tell you yes. Like, Salvation is yours. You're in. And I don't have to wonder, I don't even have to wonder if you believe it or not. This is actually what God says about you. It's a different question if you don't believe it, you know. But you're still in. So, um, yeah, outside the Christian community, the church, there is no gospel, there is no forgiveness, and there can be no salvation or holiness. This is where it is. So the difference is we're not saying it's only, it's only restricted to Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregations. And we're not saying that it's, it can't be Methodist congregations or whatever. You know? So um, 
I mean, the question of like kind of why bother staying Lutheran though is like, well, just how much how much pollution would you like in your doctrine? You know, you turn the you turn this uh, faucet on and like, or like all our friends in Texas, they got like brown water. Is anyone happy about that? How much Jardia do you want in your water? It's just, just a little bit. Ooh, that would get bad. So it is, it is actually worth like fighting for purity. Um, so yeah, then he ends the creed. He says, through the creed, we come to delight in all the commandments of God because we see here in the creed how God gives himself completely to us with all his gifts and power to help us keep the Ten Commandments, the Father gives all creation, Christ all his works, the Holy Spirit all his gifts. So it does turn the... When you are given the gospel, the, the Ten Commandments, like, these are not threatening things. You're like, oh, well, this God actually loves me and has provided me with everything that I need? Huh. Would that God then like just throw time bombs at me that are just going to explode and, and try and take me out? No, he, these are actually there for us to delight in. Um, I can't murder people. Yeah, we can't, mur- we can't murder people and I have to help them. And what does everyone find out after you go on the like mission trip to Mexico or whatever? Or New Napachuk? You know, what do you find out? You come back and you're like, everyone always says this. How many of you guys went on like mission trips in high school? I did. Where'd you go? Uh, Taiwan. Taiwan. Wow. We built houses in Mexico every summer in Tijuana. I still can't believe that this like was allowed to happen. I was allowed to roam the streets of Tijuana by myself for like a week. And I, I didn't die. It's crazy. I don't know if you can do this still, you know. Um, yeah, we built houses for like poor people down there, and we were always like, you know what? I think I got more out of this than they did. Yeah. Everyone always says that after mission trips, and like, the thing is, it's it's also like, it's it's true too. Like, if you really wanted to help them you'd probably just like send them all the money that you spent flying a group of 25 teenagers from Appleton, Wisconsin to San Diego, you know? And that would probably go pretty far down there. Uh, but I don't know. But yeah, I was like, oh, I got more out of it. So being good actually is good for you. And it does even feel good. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And he says, hey, you're my people. You'll be holy. Here's how to do that. Here's how to have a better life. Yeah. It's. Yeah. <laughs> you like the yeah, yeah, yeah. You seen the golden calf? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm missing something here. Is this something I have over a glass of wine or something? <laughs> I was just going to say, if you've ever been on the mission to also understand a lot more of those things. 
Yes. So, so far in my ministry, I've only been on the find things for the missionaries to do uh, side of things. I've ne- I have not been on the, like, except for New Naptar, sending, which we pretty much do all that, though, on our own. We're like, yeah, we'll come out there and, like, just do it all for you. And That's from what we, from our perspective. Yeah, from our perspective, we're not really bugging them at all. But, yeah, it is, like, short-term mission work is... Yes. And the best is when, like, the short-term missionaries come and get irritated that you don't have enough for them to do. Like, uh, well, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Um, Go find some suffering people or something. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually good for you. So the Lord's Prayer... I know, well, he starts it off, though. He just says, like, again, this is no joke. Everyone's always like, well, why pray? Well, and Luther's always like, if he promises to hear us, then we should pray. He's not kidding. All right? That should be enough for you. Like, what else do you need? The Lord of heaven and earth has asked for your input You think you should say something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, does anyone have any like questions or anything about uh, the Lord's Prayer? I, so I guess, um, yeah, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. People always have kind of a achy time with that sometimes. So in the Greek, it does say debts. So it's good. But yeah, he says this really interesting thing that the point of that petition is to break our pride and make us humble. Because if you do actually take that seriously, you're like, Okay, so I have to uh, forgive people as I've been forgiven. Hmm. Who is there? Who is there that I haven't forgiven as I've been forgiven? What does that mean? Am I rejecting the Lord's gift of forgiveness then? Yes. Which is why we have this in the prayer, you know. Um. And it does kind of roughly follow the Ten Commandments as well, the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord gives us these Ten Commandments, and he's like, yeah, here, just, just do these things. And then Jesus comes along, and they're like, uh, can you teach us to pray? And, and what's the... Our Father in Heaven. Oh, first commandment. Hallowed be your name. Second commandment. Thy kingdom come. Oh, third commandment. That we would rest in the Sabbath. Uh, and so... Praying the Lord's Prayer is, in, the, in some way, fulfilling the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. So then he goes through baptism uh, in the Lord's Supper, or sacrament of the altar. And the big thing here is that baptism is not something that we're doing. This is how the Lord uh, comes to us. And again, it's all about the locatedness of 
the gospel and forgiveness of sins. It is not an abstract concept and you don't have to work to find it. It is, it's, it's given to you. Um, don't go to Calvary. You can't do that. Go to your baptism. That's where Christ is given to you. Go to the words of forgiveness. That's where Christ is given to you. So go to where Christ has been given to you. And these are treasures and gifts. Yeah, and then this wonderful thing, the sacrament of the altar. What do I do if I cannot feel the need to go? Uh, or if I do not experience hunger and thirst for this sacrament? Like, then you get this all the time, right? Well, what if I don't really feel like I need it? I know of no better advice than that they put their hands to their bosom and determine whether they are made of flesh and blood. If you find that you are, I know that. Now he doesn't say, like, he doesn't go on and say, like, if you find that you're actually a cyborg, do robots need forgiveness of sins? I, then we have, a different, we have a different question then. Yeah, what do I do if I find out that I'm not flesh and blood? Uh, and I have a robotic heart. It's a short yes. <laughs> if you find that you are, then for your own good, turn to St. Paul's epistle, epistle to the Galatians, and hear what are the fruits of your flesh. Now the fruits, and now the works of the flesh are obvious: adultery, etc. And he goes on and on and on. And like, well, what is this for? This is for the forgiveness of sins. How do you know that you need it? I have flesh. What does that mean? I have sin. Oh, where should go? You know? My pastor explained that, you know, like churches that have more than one service, if you're wondering if you need to take communion twice, yes. put your hand over your heart. If it's still beating, you're still a sinner, go. If it's not, don't worry, you're going to see too many. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, it's... it's we should put that should be our uh, we should put that in our communion statement. Like, if you, yeah, <laughs> I know he didn't say that. Well, well, make sure that you were confirmed at a church, you know, forty years ago, and you never went back for anything else. Make sure, though. But we do say that. I mean, we do say that you have to be a I know. Yeah. But he starts at a much more fundamental level. Rather than that you like got a certificate 40 years ago. Don't put your hope in your confirmation. Hey. I just mean that when people are um, vexed with our communion practice, they say, well, I'm a person. Yeah. Great. Yeah. This is for you. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not talking to the visitors. There weren't really visitors. No one went anywhere 500 years ago. Oh, sorry, I'm going to talk again, but the same thing is for baptism. It's already for Because people say, well, but then you, here's, here's your works. You go to church and get your baby baptized and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, well, I was already there. 
right? I mean, you're already there. And this is for like all the family of your church who's already there. Yeah, you're you're talking to the church. Right, but people imagine that you're someone who doesn't isn't part of that church who then makes it your work to. Yeah. Yeah, right. When someone from the outside is like, well, I need to go get my baby baptized so that I can get them into heaven or something. It's like, well, where have you been? Well, that's the thing, right? It's not a question. Like, I've never had to talk. Like, I didn't have to talk Adam and Martha into, like, baptizing their children. And it was not surprising to me when they're like, well, uh, having a baby I didn't have to like sell you on it you know and there was no quite it was like oh of course great this is perfect yeah um yes so I mean that's like something too when we when we think about visitors to the congregation I don't know if we should think so much about like whether or not we allow them to take communion, but how do we actually incorporate these people into the congregation? How do they join the church? You know, it's like, I don't know. It's, um, I handed out something else to you, the brief exhortation to confession. No one knows that Lutherans do confession. You do, but, um, I was thinking about reading this whole thing together, but go to the back page and I'll give you like the summary of it. The problem was they were being forced to go to confession, all right? Now, we're saying like, well, this, that's not the way this works. Yeah. All right, 32, 32. Hmm. When I urge you to go to confession, I am doing nothing else than urging you to be a Christian. <laughs> so, uh, read the whole thing. It's awesome. And you may find that you'll come running. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. So, this is the... It's, it's kind of added to the large catechism a little later. But, give that a read at home. Um, any questions? You'll have to just sum up the Augsburg Confession and then the Apology, so it's not much. You have a hand up, right? Don't expect one. Well, let us pray. Lord, we give thanks that you have given us your word, that you have called us as your children and made us your own. We pray that we would have confidence in this uh, salvation that you have given to us, uh, that we would uh, speak of this to our children and to uh, everyone whom we love. Uh, bless our congregation that we would continue to come together and receive these gifts. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, everyone.